who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger, the younger son got together all that he had and set off to the distant country. And there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to, fi- to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like, make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I am, I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine, he was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the other son, the older son, was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and he saw dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked, what's going on? The servant said, your, your brother, he's come home. Your father, he's, he's killed the fattened calf. And they are celebrating. The older son became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years, all these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered all of your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and alive again. He was lost and is found.
Hey guys, my name's uh, Elliot Tenson. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I work here at Orchard Hill Church, and I'm on staff here for the high school ministry. And uh, tonight, uh, this is our third and last, last, uh, last night in our series, The Parables. And tonight I'm talking about the lost son, the parable of the lost son. And that's, uh, that's what I just read to you. As I was diving in, in this week to scripture and w- uh, reading things and watching things, I, I came across Tim Keller's Prodigal God. And it like rocked my world. Um, so this is kind of a lot of what I'm talking about tonight is what Tim Keller was, uh, was talking about. So um, the whole video is online. It's amazing. I would uh, suggest you guys take a look at it. If you're interested, come talk to me. Um, so Tim kind of breaks it up, breaks up the story of the, the, the lost son into two different acts. Uh, act one is, uh, is about the, the younger son. So um, let's just dive in. Act one, scene one. The first act begins with a speech. The younger son comes to his father and says, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. At this point, the crowd that had already gathered around Jesus as he was telling, telling this parable, um, they would have been amazed by this. Because if you were a father and had two sons, your inheritance would have been broken in two. It would have been divided in two. Uh, two-thirds of it would go to the oldest son, and then one-third would go to the youngest son. However, this only happened when the father died. So for the youngest son to come to his father and say, Father, give me my inheritance now, that only meant the deepest of disrespect. He was basically wishing his father dead. This was absolutely unheard of for the time. But what was even more unheard of was the response of the father to the request. An ancient Middle Eastern father would have been expected to drive the son out of the house with violent verbal blows and physical blows. But this father does not do that. What does the story say? He simply divides the inheritance between the two. Now this was basically insane for the father, according to the time. For the father to divide the inheritance meant that he had to sell some of his land or his property uh, to give his share to the son. And in those days, land was sometimes like it was the identity of the father or of the owner. So the father's wealth was in the land. The father's status in the community was in the land. His life was the land. What the younger son was asking his father to do was this, to tear his life apart, tear his standing in the community apart, and to tear himself apart. And the father does. He sells one-third of the property and gives it to the younger son. This is the end of scene one. Scene two, the son takes his share and goes off. He goes off to a, distant, to a distant country, and he squanders all that he's been given by his father on wild living. He wastes it all. He blew it all, every last bit of it, until he finds himself completely in ruin. He's impoverished. He has been taken advantage of, He literally finds himself in the pig pen with the pigs. He's literally down in the mud. He realizes what a fool he's been. And he realizes that he has nothing left. He has two options at this point. 
live in the state in which he longs to eat what the pigs are eating, or he takes the insane risk and goes back to his father. He comes up with a plan. The first part of the plan is to go home. He says, in my father's home, there's food to spare. Even the servants have a roof over their heads and food to eat. And here I am, starving. I will go and confess to my father. Now this is simple, but it's also profound. At this point, the youngest son is so broken, so lonely, that he longs for home. He longs for that relationship, that comfort, that care, that security, and that love of his father. Now there was a second part of this plan. The son will go to the father and tell him that he is not worthy to be his son and to hire him on as, as a hired, hired hand. He has no expectation of ever being called a son ever again. The best that he could possibly do at this point would, would be work for his father and just begin to pay off that incredible debt. So he heads home. He makes the long journey home. End of scene two. Act one, scene three. This scene opens with a son walking down the drive to his father's house, looking nothing like he did when he left home that day. He is dirty, broken, dressed in rags, smells of pigs, covered in dust and dirt from that long journey home. At this point, the young son is almost completely unrecognizable. The father sees the son coming down the road. Now imagine, imagine if you were the father. What would you be thinking? Here's a son who's forced you to sell off your property so that he could have his inheritance. Basically told you to your face, I wish you were dead. He no longer needed you. He just needed your money. He has harmed your family and basically made you a complete embarrassment in the community. All you can do is stand at the window, tap your foot, and say, this better be good. Maybe if he says the right thing. Maybe, maybe if he pays me back. Maybe if he knows how much he's truly hurt me, then maybe I'll take him back. But what does the story say? His father gets up and, and runs to him. He runs towards him. Now you need to know this. Ancient Middle Eastern men who had any type of status or leadership within the community did not run. Children ran, the youth ran, you know, maybe women ran. But land-owning fathers who were the head of the household or any type of business would not run because this would mean that they would have to pull up their their, uh, their robe or their dressing and bare their legs and, and get dirty. But this father does exactly that. He runs to his son. He abandons all emotion. He runs to his son because at this point, he doesn't care what anyone else is thinking because his son is home. He wraps himself around his son and kisses him. In the Greek telling of this, of this parable, he's, it says, he fell on his neck. He falls on his dirty, broken, tattered son. Now this was the chance that the son had to roll out his well-practiced speech. He tries to get the words out. Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I 
I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father will have nothing to do with it. He says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Bring the sandals and put them on his feet. Now this is so incredibly important. Because by the father doing this, he is saying that he is not going to let his son earn his way back into the family. But by putting on the robe and the ring and the sandals, the father is saying, you are my son, I love you, and I want everyone to know it. The father goes on to throw the most incredible feast, the kind of feast that families like this, they would only throw, throw a party like this once in their lifetime. He throws a feast to commemorate the day that his son has come home. This is the end of Act 1. Now, some of you can relate to the youngest son for a lot of different reasons. Some of you are at the point where you're asking for things from God. But you don't want the relationship. God, help me get through this, this, this test, this, this finals week. God, help my mom get better. God, help me with my relationship. You want God to answer your prayers, but you want nothing to do with the Father. You want to take those things and run. Now, these aren't bad prayers. I'm not saying that at all. But God wants to go deeper with you. He wants a relationship with each and every one of you. Maybe you're like the youngest son in another way. You, you thought you knew what would make you happy in your life. You thought you knew what you wanted for your life. But you're finding out that those things... They're not all cracked up to what you thought they were. Some of you are already feeling like you're off in that distant country, searching for that, that happiness, grasping for something significant. You want to feel a part of something. You want something that lasts, something, something that's worth something. Some of you may be at the end of your rope right now, literally down in the pig pen, in the mud. You're hurting and you're lonely. And you're sick of filling that void in your heart with those temporary fixes. Now, I personally, I, I, I've been there. I, I, I've, I've been down in the mud. Uh, after high school, I thought, uh, I thought partying, getting wasted, having sex, smoking weed. I thought that would bring me happiness. I thought those things... Those things would give me the fulfillment in life. I thought they'd fill that void that I felt. But they didn't. They left me way more broken than what I thought. The whole time God is saying, come home. I love you. I forgive you. I want you just, just as you are. And he's saying these to every single one of us. And just like that, just like the Father did. God runs. He runs out to meet us with open arms. He's not just gonna, he's not gonna hold those things against you guys. He wants to embrace you. He's going to embrace you. Now this is not the end of the parable. We know that. There's another son. And this is where we enter into Act, act 2. Now this is a, it's a short act with a very important scene. 
the older brother comes in from the field and sees a party going on. He asks the servant, what's going on? What's happening? The servant tells him that the younger brother has come home and the father has killed the fattened calf and invited the entire community to celebrate. The older brother becomes so enraged. He was so enraged that he refused to go to the party. He refused to celebrate with his family. By him not going into the feast, he's basically telling his family, his father, like, I want nothing to do with you. Because he's the oldest son, and he deserved the rest of the inheritance. The rest of the inheritance was his. And the only thing that he could do was see the things in front of him, his inheritance, start to diminish. The father sees this and comes out to the older son in the field. The father pleads with his son. The son is so abrasive to to him. He says to the father, Look, all these years I've been good. I've never disobeyed you. And when this son of yours, who squandered everything you, you gave him, you throw him a party. There's no way I'm coming into that party. The only thing that the older brother cared about was the father's possessions, his inheritance, his things, his property. He didn't care about the younger brother. He just cared about himself and what was rightfully his. The final words of the father to the oldest son, standing in the field, the father says, Son, you've missed the whole thing. You've missed the most important thing. Your brother was lost, and now he's home. This ends Act 2 in the parable. Now, there are two ways in which a person can be lost. And that's why, that's why Jesus puts these two brothers in, uh, in this parable. And uh, You might have heard this parable before, and uh, a lot of us, like, we only focus on the youngest brother, you know, the coming home story. But we don't always look at the older brother. Because here's the thing, you can escape God just as much through morality and religion as you can through immorality and irreligion. There are a lot of you in this room right now with an older brother kind of heart. You say, I I try really hard. I go to church. I go to big house. I pray. I try and I, I serve Jesus. Therefore, God, you owe it to me to answer my prayers and give me a good life and take me to heaven when I die. If this is the language of your heart, Jesus is your example. He's your model. In a way, he's kind of just your boss. And he's not your savior. You are trying to be your own savior. All those things that that you do are just Just ways to get God to give you what you want. I've been here as well. Sometimes I find myself thinking, well, if I do this or I do that, and if I don't do that and I don't do that, then uh, I will gain God's favor. He'll be happy with me, and, and I'll earn my way into the kingdom. Hear me when I say this. You cannot earn your way into the kingdom of heaven. So this is my warning to you. 
if you are in a relationship with God currently, don't let your relationship become a checklist. Don't let it become a list of do's and don'ts just so you can live a good and comfortable life and get what you want. Because if this, if this is the only thing that we're living for, we've missed the whole point. I'm going to invite, uh, invite the band to come up. Now, this is the greatest part of the parable. Do not miss this part. The father pursued both of his sons. He went out and he met both of his sons exactly where they were. He loved both of his sons. So here, here's my question for you guys tonight. Which brother are you? Are you the lost and, and far from home? Are you, the, are you lost and, and just trying to earn your way into God's kingdom through your do's and don'ts? I want you guys to, to really think about this. Um, the band's going to play, and we're just going to take some time and do some reflection. Uh, as I like to say, do some business with God. Um, maybe you just need to sit there in silence and listen for what the Father is telling you. Listen to what God is saying to you. Maybe you need to come home. Maybe tonight's the night. What does the Father have to say to you? God is relentlessly pursuing each and every one of you in this room. So let's take some time.